Good morning. Man, so excited to be here with you guys this morning. So excited about this word. If you have your Bible, you can go ahead and go towards Mark chapter 4. I feel like we've been in Mark like more than not Mark the past couple months. I don't know if you feel the same way, but when I turned here, I was like, oh, Mark again. That's awesome. I didn't, I didn't plan it. It just, you know, another, another story in Mark, which is interesting because Mark's like the shortest gospel, but it's the one we've used the most the past couple weeks. It's just different, but whatever. Um, Man, so excited to to be here and so excited about this word. I'm gonna I'm gonna pray really quick, um, just for me, and you can pray for me or you or you can sleep or whatever you want to do. I'm gonna pray, um, and and you just may pray with me. Father God, we thank you. We're praying this morning that you just help us to to see as you would have us to see. God, this morning we're not trying to just repeat something that we've heard before. Um, but God, we're, we're digging deep today and asking that you just would reveal something new to us, something uh, we didn't see before. God, we know that uh, your word is not just something um, to come and tell stories out of, but God, it's relevant to us today and, and in these moments of our life. And I'm just praying that God, you just speak that into this place and into our hearts. Um, because God, above everything else, we really do need you. Um, so God, this morning, just move, uh, and we want to hear from you, uh, we love you, it's in your name, Jesus, we pray, amen. Man, uh, is there anybody out there, anybody? Um, awesome. Um, so there are a couple of you, it's weird not having all the students here, right? Like the, the front is strange, so if that happens again, if they go to camp, you guys can shift forward and it'll... And make it feel like there are people here. It would be awesome. Um, but uh, anyway, we miss them, and we know that um, God's doing great things in that place. And uh, we'll see them tonight, I guess, if you're going to the pool, and you can hear all about it. But um, this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 4, and we're going to talk about a story that if you've been around for very long, you've probably uh, heard me teach before. I've heard it taught. I've taught it. Uh, it's not an obscure story in the Bible, but it's a very relevant story for us this morning. Um, for the next couple of weeks, we're going to um, dive into a series called The Struggle is Real, right? like hashtag. We've heard that before. Um, I just really steal phrases and you know try to think about Bible things that go with it. But um, we're going to start this series, and it's talking about struggle. And the truth of it is, like, we, we all struggle. Life is actually just a struggle, um, <laughs> right? Like, if you've lived very long, you realize that life is, is it's a struggle sometimes. And for some of us, maybe that's more than others, right? Like, some of you, you maybe feel like you struggle all the time. And some of you maybe just feel like, eh, just every once in a while it gets a little inconvenient. But the truth of it is, we all struggle because life is a struggle. And life is a struggle that is full of struggles, Struggle is a reality, and I think sometimes it's weird for us because we get into this, um, this, this attitude, and maybe we've even heard before, I heard this before, that if you're doing this Christian life right, if you're following Jesus, you shouldn't struggle, and that's just not reality, right? Um, I heard growing up when I was younger that come to know Jesus and everything will be all right. And uh, I took that in my brain to mean I just nothing bad's going to happen ever again. And that's not true. Um, if you've ever been around for very long, you start to figure that out. The, the truth is eternally, yes, everything will be all right. But in these moments, in these days, life is full of hard things. Uh, and I'm looking for a better place. I'm going somewhere that there will be no more uh, tears and pain and, and all those things that keep us down here, there will be no more struggle, but I'm, I'm in this moment, I'm a 
in this place, and it's, it's full of struggle. And, and that's what we're going to talk about the next few weeks, not specifically struggle, but, but struggling as a follower of Jesus. And we're going to start that um, today in, in Mark 4. Mark, uh, or the Gospel of Mark, uh, right, is the narrative story of Jesus' life. I love the Gospel of Mark. I call it the abbreviated Gospel or the Gospel for people who really don't like to read. It's the shortest one. Uh, so if you're not like a reader but you want to learn about Jesus, maybe Mark is for you. It's just a few chapters. It won't take you very long. Um, but, but it's the Gospel um, from the point of view of Mark. And if you think about that, it's kind of weird because Mark was not a disciple, Right, like you start listing off those guys. I don't, can't list all their names. Sorry, I don't know if that makes you want to be here or not. But I can't list all their names. But Mark was not one of those names. Um, so you're like, well, how did Mark get a hold of these stories? What's going on? How did Mark write all this down? Well, Mark actually is mentioned in in the book of Acts, and he was a guy that was a follower of Jesus, and he had some struggles himself. Uh, but kind of he he began to follow around a guy named Peter. You know Peter, right? You know, a guy walked on water, did some really dumb stuff, some really cool stuff. That's it's Peter. Um, and um, Peter was a disciple, and this is the gospel written down by Mark from the point of view of Peter. Peter, an eyewitness who was actually there, told these stories to Mark, and Mark pinned them down for us. And, and I love that today. I love that um, this is not some book. I think people would tell you that the, the, the Bible is not reliable because stories are written hundreds of years after Jesus. And that's, this is not true. These stories are written just a very few years after Jesus walked on the planet by people who were actually there, standing there, watching these things happen. And, and you can put your faith and your hope and your trust in that because th- this is... These are eyewitness accounts. This was like hold up in court today. <laughs> and I love that. And um, the Gospel of Mark is kind of the, the abbreviated version of these things. But um, chapter 4, we see when we enter chapter 4 that Jesus is teaching. I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. Like Jesus is usually teaching and then towards the end he's on a cross and then he's in a tomb and then he's not in a tomb. And, and, and that's kind of the story. Uh, but in the beginning of chapter 4, Jesus is teaching, and he's teaching on, on the seaside or the Sea of Galilee on the shore, and there's a crowd that amasses, and this group of people come around, like always come around when Jesus is teaching, because Jesus is kind of a phenomenal guy. Jesus does things that nobody else has ever done, nobody else has ever seen, and people come to see that. So wherever Jesus shows up, there's a crowd of people that show up, and here Jesus is out here by the shore of the sea and he's drawing a crowd like he's downtown right like there's all these people that are coming around and they've come to see Jesus for a couple reasons one Jesus is amazing and he does amazing things he he heals people right like there's stories in the in the bible where people have not been able to see their entire life Jesus walks up and he's just like hey let's let's open our eyes today and they do that and you can't do that, and I can't do that, but Jesus can do that. And there's been people that they, they've been laying down, not able to move their entire life, and Jesus just walks up, and he's like, hey, why don't you just get up, take up your bed, and, and walk? And they're like, well, that's an amazing idea. I think I'll do that. So they get up, and they roll up their bed, and they, they walk. Like, that's amazing. You can't do that. I can't do that, but Jesus can do that. And we see these things over and over and over again. Jesus feeds thousands of people with very few items a couple times in the Bible, so that's pretty awesome. So maybe these people have come hoping they'll get a meal and what we see in several times is Jesus teaches like no one else has ever taught before. They've never heard anybody able to explain the word of God like Jesus can explain the word of God. And that's because Jesus is the word and he becomes flesh and he, he's not interpreting it. He is it. So he knows what it's saying. And he shows up and he's teaching. And every time he shows up and he teaches, people come around. And 
These people come around to such a great degree, actually, that Jesus probably couldn't be heard kind of towards the back. So Jesus gets in a boat, and he pushes out kind of on the water a little bit, and he begins to teach in this natural amphitheater. If you've ever been at the lake, like if somebody's pretty far away and they're across water, you can still hear pretty well. And this is what's happening here in this moment. And Jesus teaches all day long, like literally the entire day. Um, this was not a Baptist crowd, right? Like this is, not, <laughs> this is not the normal church crowd, right? Like if Jesus taught all day, there'd be complaining and fussing and whatever. We've got to get to lunch. But I mean, these people sat there all day to hear Jesus teach because these people wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the thing you just have to want to hear, right? And these people wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. So we, we see Jesus just teaching all day long, and he teaches in parables, and he teaches about the kingdom of God. And kind of towards the end of the day, uh, we're going to step in in verse 35, and it says, On that day, or the same day as he'd been teaching, when evening had came, so it's late in the day, uh, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Maybe some of you, your versions say the sea. This is the Sea of Galilee, uh, which is basically a really big lake. Um, but what we see here is Jesus has been teaching all day long, and as he's teaching, he's probably getting tired, and here's the end of the day, and Jesus knows, like, these people aren't going anywhere. Like, if I sit here all night, these people will sit here all night. They're not going to go back to their towns and villages if I'm going to stay here. So Jesus looks at his disciples, that's who the them is, and he says, hey, I have an idea. Let's go to the other side of the lake. Now, this is a pretty big lake. Like, this is not like they're going to swim from one point to the other to follow Jesus. Like, if you don't have a boat, you're not getting there. This place is like eight miles wide in some areas. This is a, a big lake. And Jesus looks at him, and he's like, hey, let's go to the other side. Um, for a couple reasons. One, if he leaves, the crowd will leave. And then two, he's got an appointment we're going to see right after this with a man who's possessed and he's going to go uh, supernaturally set him free from that. And that's kind of amazing. Um, but Jesus looks at these guys. He says, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So in 36, it says, they left the crowd and took him along since he was already in the boat. Nobody? Do you ever read the Bible and you're like, that's just kind of funny wording. I don't know why he chose to do it that way. But thank you for sympathy taking Jesus across the lake since he's already there. You know, like he's already in the boat. I guess we'll take Jesus. Like, it's just weird how they worded that there because it was Jesus's idea. He said, hey, let's go to the other side. And then in the next verse, they've made it their idea. And Jesus is just like a like he's tagging along, right? Because like, in the end of the day, we're more comfortable with Jesus following us around than us following Jesus around. And they flip-flopped it here in that moment. Um, and I just think that's humorous because, like, we probably are pretty similar in the same way where, ah, you know, we'll take Jesus since he's already with us. Um, but it says they, they left the crowd and they took him along since he was already in the boat. And it says that other boats were with him. These are like the diehard Jesus fans, right, with the Jesus T-shirts. And the, like they're like, I'm, oh, you suckers didn't come prepared. Like you, you should have brought your boat today. Um, Jesus went to the other side and you guys have to go home. But these are the Boy Scouts, right? Like they know they're prepared, they're ready to go. And they come along with Jesus um, because they also have boats. And it says in 37... A fierce windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped. So we had like a nice day on the shore of the lake. The sun was out. We were picnicking. And Jesus says, 
let's go to the other side of the lake. And we go to the other side of the lake, and somewhere on the way to the other side of the lake, a windstorm pops up. And this windstorm is not like just we're going to get there faster in our sailboat, but it generates waves, and the waves are breaking over the boat. And it must have happened pretty quickly because it says they were, the boat was already being swamped. Like the moment the wave started is kind of the image you get. Now, this is not an unusual thing on the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is like 700 feet, I think, below seat level. Sea level, not seat level. Uh, 700 feet below your seat, I guess, too. But <laughs> 700 feet below sea level. And that's pretty kind of low, but it's, all, it's this bowl that just sits down. And, and at the highest part, I think it's 2,500 feet above sea level, and, and its average is like... 1,400 feet above sea level. So the, so the banks just kind of go down into the sea. And what happens is, uh, because the, the cold air is up here on these mountains, hills, it comes over and it falls down into the 700 feet below feet level, the, the surface, and there's warm air at the surface and there's cold air and it creates storms fairly quickly. This is normal this is an occurrence that would happen often. This is not like one of those things that just the disciples got to experience just because Jesus was in the boat. This was just a storm that was going to happen. It's going to happen. Whether they were there or not, this storm was going to happen. And the next day there might be another storm very similarly. And the next day there might be another storm very similarly. And maybe they're different size storms. And some are not really a big deal. And some are a really big deal. And this one apparently was a really big deal. But, but storms happen, right? On, on the sea, um, just put that on us for a minute, like storms happen, right? Like some of us go through really big things and some of us go through really little things and, and maybe that reverses and the next day it'll be a big thing and the next day it'll be a small thing. But like, right, like the struggle, the storm is real. Like it's just a reality of life, whether you're in the boat with Jesus or in the other boats that are just kind of around Jesus or whatever, if, if you're here, you're in a storm at some point in time because storms just, they happen. And, and this is just another storm, but I'm not trying to diminish it. It's, it's a pretty bad storm, right? Like these guys, a lot of the disciples are, are fishermen. They've been in boats on the Sea of Galilee before. Like that's not an unusual thing for several of these guys. They, they've made their living here. They would have been in storms on the, on the sea before. But this is apparently a pretty big deal because they, in just a couple verses, are going to be like, hey, I think we, we might die. I'm not diminishing the storm. It's a big deal, and these guys are semi-prepared, but they, they can't do anything about the storm. They can just do something about the circumstances. So, so the storm comes kind of out of nowhere, and it's a fierce windstorm, and you don't want to be on a boat in a fierce windstorm, especially if your boat is wind-powered. Um, and, and these waves start coming, and, and the waves start breaking over the side of the boat, which is not good because a boat's only useful when it keeps water out, right? Like if you have a boat with a hole in it, probably not going fishing in that guy today because it's, it's just not safe. Boats will float as long as there's water outside and not inside. And they're somewhere now probably in the, in the middle or pretty far away anyway from shore on this journey. So, like, the boat goes down, we're not taking three steps, and we're at shore. Like, it's 
the middle of the night. We're in the boat <laughs> in the middle of the lake or sea, whatever you want to call it, a lot of water, who cares? And here's the storm, and our boat's kind of going down. I don't want to sign up for that, by the way. I've been on boats before. I like boats. I don't have, like, a particular fear of water. I'm a decent swimmer. I don't know I can swim four miles back to land in the middle of the night, but decent swimmer. But I don't want to do this. doesn't sound fun to me. And you can imagine, like, it, it, when this starts happening, like, what's happening on the boat. Like, they're not just sitting around. Like, Peter's not like, ah, it's no big deal, man. I've been in storms like this before. If Peter is on your boat, you need to get Peter off your boat because that's annoying, right? Like, ah, don't worry about it. Storms come. You know, like, that, that's not the guy you want advice from in the middle of the storm. Like, he's probably not doing that. They're probably kind of going into survival mode at this point in time. And you're like, well, where do you see that? Well, what would you do? You grab a bucket, right? Because water in the boat is a bad idea. And if you've been in a boat before, you know that. And you'd be trying to get the water outside of the boat. Like, I don't know much about sailing. I've been on a sailboat before, but I couldn't survive on one. Like, if, if wind came, I have no idea what to do. I can't set one up. I can't take one down. I've just sat in one before. That's my level of experience. But they probably would start trying to pull sails down and do whatever they could just to kind of survive at this point in time. Fear by this point in time would have set in, and panic by this point in time would have set in, and, and that switches us into survival mode. And that's probably what these guys were trying to do at this moment. And it says that the boat was already being swamped, and then in 38 it says, but he, it's capitalized, so we know that's Jesus, was, was in the stern, I googled that, that's the back of the boat, and he was sleeping on a cushion. So this is the scene, right? Like, here's the storm, boats filling up with water, everybody on the boat's trying to just survive and pail out water and do whatever they need to do, and then Jesus is just asleep in the back of the boat on a cushion. And you're like, Jesus is a heavy sleeper, apparently, right? Because <laughs> like, it's, it's getting wet in the boat. Like, the cushion's probably getting soggy, and Jesus is just still napping. Like, it's, you know, like, you, you, you kind of get the comical side of what is happening in this moment, right? Like, here's everybody freaking out, thinking they're going to die, and Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. And, and at some point in time, somebody's eye kind of just catches Jesus, Right? Like they're flipping water out of the boat, and like maybe they look over their shoulder, and Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. And, and that would probably bring a little frustration. Just my thoughts. I can back it up with the next verse, but just my thoughts. Right? You ever been there? Feel like your whole life's falling apart, everything's going crazy, you're in panic mode, and you're like afraid, and you're just trying to survive, and then you don't feel like Jesus is pulling his weight. Like that's frustrating right like hey <laughs> you gonna do something like are you sleeping right now are you are you really like do you see what's going on are you really sleeping right now like how are you sleeping right now like anybody ever felt like that this is like playing out physically and and, and I've, I've been through this you're like god where, where are you at 
Jesus, where, where are you at? And this is, this is what we see happening really in the story. It says, but he was asleep in the stern, the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. It says, so they woke him up. They probably had to talk about it for a minute. Can you believe Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat right now? Can you believe he's not up here helping us pail this water out right now? Can you believe that guy, the nerve of that guy? Like right there gossiping about Jesus. We got everybody's attention now. And it says, so they woke him up and they said to him, teacher... Don't you care that we're going to die? This, this is their words to Jesus, right? Like you, you can see the frustration in it. They didn't just say it calmly like me. Don't you care we're going to die? Like they were probably, do you not even care right now? Like, do you not see what's happening right now? The boat is going down, your pillow's wet, you're like sleeping in water, and, and we're going to die. And you're not doing a thing. I've had a similar conversation. I think if we're honest, probably lots of us have been in that moment where you're like, God, where are you at? Like, don't you care what's happening right now? Can't you see what's happening right now? I've, I've, I've done everything I can do. Don't you care? Anybody? Am I just... I'm making this up today? Like, a, maybe I'm just confessing today. Maybe it's just me, but, but I've been there. And I've, I've said, maybe not that exact thing to God, but something very similar. Where, where are you at right now? See, I can relate to this story because I've been, maybe not in a boat, but I've been in a storm. I mean, it's maybe not like a lightning storm, but a, a very real storm of things happening around me that, that I couldn't control and I couldn't do anything about. And I was doing everything I could to try to survive. And I knew if I was doing it myself, it was not going to work out well. And that's when, right, like I'm like, Jesus, where are you at? After I've exhausted all of me, after I've done everything I can do, that's when I'm like, hey, Jesus, what are you doing? See, this story may have worked out differently if before we grabbed a bucket and a pail and a rope and all that stuff, we'd have been like, hey, Jesus, would you just maybe wake up for a minute and do something? Like, but that didn't happen. So they say, don't you get what's happening here? Now, I'll just be honest with you. um, From the rest of the verses, I don't think they were looking for some big miracle. The, The last two verses is, I didn't even know he could do that. What they were looking for is Jesus to be another hand, right? Like, grab a bucket and do the same thing I'm doing. Let's go with my plan. Let's do it my way. This is how I figured out I'm getting out of this thing, and I just need some more people to throw water, and you can throw water. So they say, Jesus, don't you, don't you care that we're about to die? And, and I love what happens here. It says he, he got up. And he, he, he rebuked the wind. That was not the plan. Right? Like, I, I, you couldn't even make that up in story writing. Like, like, he didn't stand up and say, oh, of course I care. Like, why would I not care? Like, yeah, I care. I was just, I was taking a nap. I didn't know. I'm sorry. Like, he didn't get up and do any of that, did he? He just ignored that whole conversation. 
Because what a ridiculous idea that Jesus doesn't care. He's like, I'm not, I'm not even going to dignify that at the moment with a response. Like, we're not going to go there. Like, yes, of course I care. We don't need to argue that out today. He just gets up and he's like, hold on. Uh, and walks to the front of the boat and he, and he starts fussing at the wind. Right, like that's either crazy or genius. If you've been in a storm, you don't just walk up and, hey, you need to quit that right now. Like, I'm trying to sleep in here, and if you could just cut down on the wind and, and don't make the tree do that. Like, we don't do that. And if you did that, I would think you were nuts. If it starts raining in two minutes and you walk outside and you start fussing at the rain, I'm going to think you're nuts unless something happens to the rain. They've never seen anything like this before. Like, can, you, can you imagine, like, no, Jesus, what are you doing? It's, there's no way it's going to listen. Can you just quit and grab a, grab a bucket, dude? Can you imagine the thoughts in the boat as this is happening? Like, what is he doing? That's not what we want you to do. That's not the plan. You just, grab, just get a bucket. And he's like, hold on. And he starts fussing at the wind. And he, and he says then to the sea, Silence, be still. Could you, could you just knock that off? Right? Like, hey, hey, I'm trying to sleep here, right? Like that's that's the conversation Jesus is having with these with these with these things. He's like, hey, storm and sea, we're done. That's enough. Silence. And it, here's here's the crazy thing. This is the wind ceased. Like, really? They're looking for Jesus to come and treat the symptoms of the storm. And Jesus is like, I'm not worried about pailing water today. I can take care of the storm. See, we, we get so caught up in treating symptoms of things. What we do is we devise a plan where Jesus can come and he can, he can take care of all the negative things. And Jesus is like, I'm not worried about that. I can actually speak to the storm. See, that's a uniquely Jesus feature in our lives today and in the universe today. Like, you can speak to storms and you seem like a crazy person, but Jesus can speak to storms and storms listen. Because the one who makes the storm can command the storm, right? Like, there, there never was anything even called a storm until Genesis chapter 1 happened. And Jesus was there, and he was like, you know what, today, I'm just going to make some stuff. Let's make a storm. And then that storm remembered a couple years later, oh, yeah, that's the guy. In a way that most of us don't understand, because most of us don't even treat Jesus like that. Even the weather acknowledges he's the master today. And he walks up, and I don't know if he shouted or he whispered or what he did. It doesn't say. But he said, knock it off. And it listened. That's amazing. That's, that's what we call a miracle, actually. Miracles are things that you can't do, only God can do, right? Like, if you can do it, it's not a miracle, it's just a thing. And here they are in this storm. It's crazy. They, they, don't, they don't think 
probably going out on the water. This is what's going to happen. And just in a few moments, it went from peaceful kind of journey to the other side to, oh, my gosh, we're going to die. And after trying everything they could to treat the symptoms of the problem, they remember Jesus is in the boat. And Jesus wakes up, or they wake him up, I guess. And he doesn't go into panic mode. Oh man, I, do, I can't believe I slept through this. Oh man, what are, what are we going to do? What, what do you think we should do, Peter? He doesn't go into freak out mode. He goes immediately into... I got this. And maybe there's a lesson in that. See, there's, there's never like a storm that Jesus is not prepared for. There's never a circumstance that Jesus has to like dig through the playbook to try to figure out what he's going to do. Actually, there's, there's never even a problem that he needs your advice on how to fix Because his plan's just kind of better than our plan anyway. So it says, the wind ceased, and it says, there was a great calm. <laughs> I love that. You ever been to the lake? I don't, I don't even know what a, a great calm would look like, right? Like even at our lakes, like there's these little waves. And I imagine that was he said, be still, like it listened, and it was still. No waves, you probably couldn't even find a ripple. Looked like glass, probably something they'd never seen before. And then he says to them, okay, now let's have our conversation. Why are you fearful? Now, who you believe Jesus is maybe determines how you feel like he said this. If you believe Jesus is always maybe criticizing us and waiting for us to mess up, maybe you hear this as, what are you afraid of now? I hear this from a loving God who knows that we mess up and is trying to lead us and guide us and teach us as, so what was the problem? What, 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 are, what were you afraid of? Why, why are you freaking out? And then he reminds them right after this, do, do you still have no faith? And, and what he's saying in that moment is, no, nah, I can't believe you idiots. He's saying, don't you see it? Don't, don't you get it? Don't you see who's in the, the boat? Don't, don't you see me? You see, we're only a few chapters into Mark, but at this point in time, these guys have left everything to follow Jesus, but then they've experienced Jesus do amazing things over and over and over and over again, probably some that aren't even contained in this, like they've seen Jesus heal people and feed people. They've seen Jesus do amazing things. And, and they believe it. 
because they're following him. They, they believe that he can heal other people, and they believe that he can open other people's eyes, and they even maybe believe that he can feed other people and maybe get them in the process. They, they believe that maybe even at this point in time, Jesus can say to people who have been dead, hey, get up. They've seen Jesus do amazing things, but then a storm comes, then, then stuff starts falling apart, and, and it gets crazy for them. And they forget, like, it's, it's the same guy. It's the same guy. Don't, don't you love, like, being that person when somebody else is going through a storm that's like, hey, man, Jesus, he's, he's got this. He's got this. And you believe it with everything in you, like, for them. But then, like, the storm or the struggle or whatever, it, it comes to your house and... and, and we just forget. And it's not that we don't believe. And it's, it's not that we, we, we don't even want to follow. It's, it's none of that. It's just like we, we forget. It's the same Jesus. It, it's the same guy. The guy that got us through the last storm or got your neighbor through their storm or got this person over here through their storm, like he, he's, he's able and capable to get you through your storm. It's, it's reality today. And maybe for some of us going through the, this moment, what Jesus is trying to say to us is like, hey, I'm still right here in the boat. And what is in you is greater than anything that could ever come against you. So today, maybe he's trying to turn our attention away from the wind and the waves, which may be a really big deal and may be a terrible storm. I'm not diminishing anybody's storm today. I'm just saying what's in the boat's greater than what's outside of the boat today. What is in us is greater than what's coming against us today. And if we're always looking at the wind and the waves, we're going to hear, you can't do it. You can't make it. You're not going to get there. You're doomed. You're going to die. And Jesus is saying, just turn around and look. Turn around and look. See, in our eyes, storms are horrible and destructive. But what Jesus is trying to teach us is like today's trouble is just tomorrow's testimony. Today's struggle is tomorrow's story. Jesus today is, is calling us, and some of you maybe don't want to hear this, but into storms. I'm going to say it again. He's calling us into storms. You are going to struggle in this life. You are going to struggle here. And not every day, every moment is going to be a struggle, but there's going to be mountains and valleys. And that's part of the landscape of this world that we're walking through. 
And if we're looking at our surroundings, we're going to step into spaces where we think, I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. But in those places, in those moments, Jesus is calling us into a greater faith. And in some of our minds, a greater God. See, the truth of it is, these men come back right after this and they say, oh my gosh. Can you believe that? Did you you know he could do that? Did did you know? Did you... (laughs) Did you know that he can talk to storms? Did you you know that he can talk to the ocean? Did Did you know that? Have you ever seen anything like that before? Our storms and struggles lead us into a place where we can trust that no matter how big the storm and the struggle is, There is a greater God in us than anything that will ever come against us. And when we see that, when we see it, and it's hard to see it because God's going to take us through some stuff to see it. Do you you see that? God's going to take you through some stuff so you can see him. But at the end of the day, if we just persist and we plow through and we get there, what we're going to be talking about is not, oh, my gosh, that was the worst thing ever. We're going to be saying, oh, my gosh, he's the greatest thing ever. For some of us today going through it, what God's saying to us is, Hold on and look in. You can rest today. Not trying to treat symptoms, but speaking to the one who can speak to the storm. Let's pray.